2: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
3: Hey Welcome to hey. the show. And Producer Justin started off with a bop oh, today. Yeah, producer Justin's hey. on board. I mean it's a pretty amazing, wonderful day, huh? It's just another Wednesday to me. Oh, yeah, but another Wednesday. You're He's here. here. You
4: make it, it special. When you have Thank a child, God. you just lose track of all days. Who's the child? No, Justin has a child. Oh, <laughs> I thought you were calling Justin
2: the child. It's I was like, he well, wow. When you're I do a parent, have a little bit of a baby face, so it's good. That yeah, is true. Thank you, Thank <laughs> you.
3: You do have a baby face. So
4: <laughs> uh, I wanted to share something that happened that was really scary. And Oh, gosh. I really Are you sure myself. you want
3: to share this?
4: It's my way of healing.
3: Okay, well, let's go through it. We're all this is a safe space. And also
4: moving forward and and taking the lesson into account. I was walking on the street the other day.
3: Okay, and I as was looking, one does, yes,
4: uh, I was on the sidewalk looking at my phone, checking mm. on some stuff. Oh no! I tripped on a scooter and <gasps> fell. Wait, was the scooter
3: upright or was the it like was
4: somehow in the sidewalk? So. I'm going to blame the scooter. But the thing is, if I hadn't been looking at my phone, I would have seen that the scooter was right there. I tripped over the scooter, fell on my knees and my hands, looked around to check who saw me.
3: Everyone saw you, huh? A few people were there. They probably giggled.
4: They're just like, oh yeah, another dumb person on her phone. Well,
3: my thing is, I would have given you more grace for the idea of... If the scooter had like been toppled over, because you know, oftentimes when people are done with scooters, you're supposed to sit it upright. But if it fell over and you missed it, and that's how you landed, but if you just weren't paying one attention, part of It was just like in ah, uh-uh, don't egg. make excuses. Uh-uh, it just seems like you almost died. I could have hurt me. You know, that's happened to some people,
4: and you hit your face right, and you could break a tooth. Yeah, right. Like I've heard some people that have really. It gotten hurt?
3: Uh, honestly, I feel like you would look cute with a broken tooth.
4: Wow. It feels like it would be on brand with would be you. a look, like Michael Strahan kind of thing. <laughs> you know, but it was a reminder to pay attention.
3: Yeah. Like, slow down and pay attention. That's true, which is a constant reminder, I feel like, if you go back and review your journal, that's just something that pops <laughs> up for you. <laughs> oh, okay. Here's the thing. I would love to, um, you know, I'm happy you're safe. I'm happy you're feeling good, but please pay attention. I need you to come here and do a job every day. How, how many times <laughs> do you need to be reminded about something? How many times <laughs> does something need to happen to you before you shift your behavior? It's like, I don't even want, I don't, I'm like a happy you're safe and I'm happy. I just need you to come here and do your damn job every Thank day. You. So please don't hurt yourself. Thank you for looking out. Please. That's it. For my it. well-being. Just for the well-being of the job.
4: Right. <laughs> What's Only coming up on the the show? job. Okay, lots coming up in ten minutes. With the nation facing its first serious blood shortage, is the blood donation limitation on men having sex with men close uh, close to ending? HRC's legal director is joining us for that. And in the next hour, Love half having Dr. James Simmons on. Mm -hmm. He's going to talk about nurses who are feeling
3: burnt out and they might walk out because of it. And my thing is going back to the blood shortage. What if you would have died and there's no blood to that would have helped you? You
4: know, my I'm partner just... has the same blood type as me. I think.
3: Really, I don't even know my blood type. You don't? No.
4: I didn't know until recently because I'm getting my eggs frozen and I got a whole checkup. Yeah, I, well, I get a checkup, but it's not like they're telling me my blood well, type. Well, you can ask. You should go.
3: Huh? Figure I that should out. ask.
4: Okay, reminder. There you go. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour, though, right now. Same-sex couples can now officially wed in New Jersey with the blessing of the state government. The right to get married was put into law on Monday when Governor Phil Murphy signed legislation that wrote the right into state law. Legislators had previously passed a bill to legalize same-sex marriage, but it was vetoed, of course, by... Former Governor Chris Christie, of course. Uh, yeah, who said he thought the decision should be left to voters. Like, there's no reason why people vote you in to make the decision. Uh, the, the next year, the state Supreme Court made the issue moot when it declined to hear a lower court's ruling in favor of marriage equality. Feels like weird to talk about same-sex ma- uh, couples getting married now, but that's happened in Jersey. Now, Mitch McConnell had some pretty strong words on Biden's recent speech in Georgia on voters' rights legislation.
1: 12 months ago, this president said disagreement must not lead to disunion. Ah, but yesterday he invoked the bloody disunion of the Civil War, the Civil War, to demonize Americans who disagree with him. He compared, listen to this, a bipartisan majority of senators to literal traitors.
3: Because they are literal traitors. Because you're trying to avoid, you're trying to take away someone's actual right to vote (laughs) in, in in a democracy. You're trying to make it harder for voters to actually be able to vote for the people that they care about.
4: Yeah. It's like, you know, people saying, hey, so we know we've been doing this thing for a long time, but, like, I'm having some issues doing it. I have some limitations or there's been some limitations created. Is there any way you can create some options for me? It's like whoever... And then, like, no. No, we're not.
3: I mean, and it's also, like, Mitch McConnell, whoever is, like, your speechwriter, please fire them because I'm honestly tired of you using every adjective in the the source. It's done.
4: (laughs) Okay, and finally, France has lifted its ban on queer men from giving blood. The French government announced that on Tuesday the regulation has been in place since the early days of the HIV epidemic, on Twitter, France's health minister, Olivier Vera, said that references to sexual orientation will be removed from blood donation questionnaires starting in March, putting an end to an inequality that was no longer justified. Mm-hmm. Maybe the U.S. will follow suit. That was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan?
3: Well, all right, Jamie Lynn Spears, mm. um, She's her rare sit-down interview aired today, and we are playing everything you need to know. It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So the big moment coming out of this uh, Jamie Lynn Spears interview is basically her claiming that she tried to help end her now estranged sister, Britney Spears, controversial conservatorship. Here's the
5: clip. There was a time where my sister asked me of her trust and will if I would be the person who was sure that her boys got what they needed, whether she's in a conservatorship or not. That was a very normal thing, I thought. Once I realized that you know what, she's in a conservatorship. I felt like I just didn't want to be a part of until maybe she was out of the conservatorship. So hmm. there was no like me overseeing funds or something like that. And if that was it was a misunderstanding. But either way, I took no steps to be a part of it.
3: You know, she did not reveal which contacts she gave Britney or whether the pop star ever even got in touch with them. Um, she was also questioned, which was really interesting in this interview. She was also questioned about her thoughts on what she thinks about Britney's state of mind. Which is really interesting, do we have that clip? Should...
5: Words that you've used in the book to describe her behavior over the, your lifetime was erratic, paranoid, spiraling. How do you see your sister's state of mind currently? I can't really speak to anyone else's state of mind. I don't think that's fair. But I'm allowed to say how I felt in those, because that matters. Mm-hmm. It matters that I was in pain.
3: And, you know, mm. through all of this, Jamie tearfully insisted on GMA that the love is still there between her and her sister and adding I've only ever loved and supported her. OK, so I mean, it was a very detailed interview. If you want to check out more of that, head over to WeAreChannelQ.com because, honey, I got more T-Report coming up during the show.
4: OK, well, next up, more on the current blood donation crisis and whether this will finally change the law for men who have sex with men first time. And joining us right now to share more is Sarah Rohrblow, Legal Director at HRC. Thanks for joining
5: us. Thank you so much for having me.
4: Well, how bad is this? And what is HRC doing about it? Mm
5: Mm-hmm. Well, look, I mean, a shortage in our blood supply is a real crisis for the United States. And we're really committed to ensuring um, that the country has uh, the blood donations that it needs without unnecessarily limiting those uh, donations. And that's what's happening right now is that the vast majority of gay and bisexual men um, are effectively prohibited from becoming blood donors, irrespective of their risk um, for HIV, because of outdated um, notions uh, about LGBTQ folks, um, about uh, HIV. And this really reinforces stigma, and alienates individuals from the healthcare system.
3: No, it really does because back in April 2020, the FDA released these new guidelines that change the time limit from 12 months to three months. But does that actually does that change actually line up with the legitimate science behind that?
5: It doesn't. Um, we know that what the science really recommends is an individualized risk assessment. Um, so, you know, really finding out whether or not people are engaged in risky sexual behavior rather than predetermining that simply because you are a gay or bisexual man, um, that makes you a high-risk population.
4: Definitely. So what is being done to finally change this? And will this be the, the moment that prompts that?
5: There is new research um, that is happening uh, that is being conducted uh, to look at those individualized risk assessments. Um, And we think it's critically important that that happens in an expedited fashion. And frankly, um, even uh, without that research, there's already a whole body of research um, that shows an individual risk assessment is an appropriate approach. In fact, other countries, um, including uh, the UK and Italy, have taken that individualized risk assessment approach rather than effectively banning gay and bisexual men from being able to donate blood.
3: So I I do wanna talk about, because I do think it's important, how does this impact, um, this ban impact other queer people? Because the guidelines exist in binary requirements and I feel like that really has a huge impact when it comes to the non-binary community within our community.
5: Yeah, that's an excellent question. So we know um, that it does not impact um, lesbian and bisexual women at all. Um, It also doesn't impact transgender people. Um, The guidelines allow um, transgender uh, people to be able to to donate blood, um, including transgender women. Um, But for non-binary people, they're putting this impossible... Uh, a situation of having to determine um, whether they're going to list themselves um, as, as male or female or be excluded from donating altogether. Um, it's also a shortcoming because, once again, it's not capturing whether or not a particular individual is actually a risk to the blood supply um, as opposed to uh, a non-risk.
4: So is this something that the Red Cross can all, can do to change it or do we have to wait for the government?
5: So um, unfortunately, the Red Cross, uh, you know, does not have the authority to act here. Um, this is something that needs to be done um, by the FDA. Um, so mm. the FDA is the one that put uh, the restrictions in place back in um, 1985. And it's also um, the entity that has um, subsequently changed um, the approach that they're taking, right? First, the, the one-year deferral period um, mm-hmm. and the current three-month deferral period. And so they're the ones that are going to have to act if we're going to move uh, to an individualized risk assessment. And
3: as we wrap this up, I would love to know, what would you want the media in the way they report on this, how would you want them to cover this moving forward, especially in the, when it comes to the intersection? of a queer identity.
5: Yeah, we want them to understand um, that this is, in fact, discriminatory and that it creates real harm. Um, You know, it really does reinforce stigma. Um, It makes it harder for people to have good, healthy conversations with their care providers about safe sex. Um, And, you know, it sort of reinforces this idea that if you are um, uh, a man who has sex with men, um, that you can't be engaged in healthy sexual behaviors. And so we wanna take that stigma away and really focus on policies that are gonna meet those dual goals of increasing the blood supply and protecting the blood supply. We know the science is there. They should be following the science. And there's no reason not to.
4: That's right. That was Sarah Warblow, legal director at HRC. Thank you so much.
5: Thank you for having me.
4: Well, inflation has hit its highest mark in nearly half a century. Are the poor getting poorer? And what is the government doing to solve it? That's next.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
1: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy.
4: Prices are rising, if you haven't noticed. Uh-huh. And uh, 2021 saw the highest inflation in 40 years. Which
3: is scary to know. And my, right? my bank account for sure is failing mm-hmm.
4: it. Definitely. So what's going to be done to solve this? Well, joining us right now is Andrew Van Dam, Washington Post data and economic reporter. Thanks for joining us. Of course. So uh, would this have actually happened if the pandemic didn't? take place? Or were we on our way there? It seemed like things were going pretty well.
7: (laughs) Oh, geez. We were absolutely not on our way there. We were on a smooth glide path. The Fed was keeping inflation steady at slightly below its long-term target of 2%. So inflation was, if anything, a little bit low. And there was no good reason to expect uh, that anything like this could have happened.
3: Yeah, and I, I guess it's interesting when reading what economists have to say. Like, it seems like they are seeing this as a major red flag compared to last year. What what are what are they saying about this?
7: Yeah, definitely. Uh, last year, at the end of last year, price growth was still pretty moderate, but you, it's almost as if you flip a switch. We hit uh, twenty 2020, twenty or twenty twenty one and prices start rising Uh, you know people's bank accounts started looking a little bit better after that first stimulus hit uh, right around new year's and then another one in what march and uh, folks started being a little bit more confident about the economy uh, and there was a lot more money out there chasing not as many goods uh, in some cases because of you know supply chain issues that were affecting car sales and that kind of thing and that of course pushes up prices
4: Yeah, it seems like there's a greater and greater separation between uh, the rich and the poor. How much worse is it going to get and how long is it going to last?
7: Well, of course, that is the uh, most difficult question there is. Now, how long is it going to last? The Federal Reserve they say that uh, prices are going to hit, what, uh, 2.6% growth by the end of this year and then 23 by the one after. Don't quote me on that, but I'm in the ballpark, you know. So <laughs> they expect things to get pretty, uh, to even out pretty well. But as you said, the impacts of this are pretty unequal. Like, imagine the difference right now between a renter mm-hmm. who's facing a perhaps a double-digit increase in their rent in the next year And those of us who are lucky enough to be homeowners and are looking at a nice, steady 30-year fixed-rate mortgage that we locked in, in some cases, years ago. Mm.
3: So I I guess I can't help, but I don't think we can have this conversation without talking, like, the political risk. What are those political risks for Democrats if this does keep increasing?
7: Well, (laughs) this goes without saying, but people do not like inflation. There is some uh, economic research that shows it's because, you know, if prices go up, you're going to have to ask for a raise. And nobody likes that discussion. Nobody likes the risk Mm -hmm. that it comes with it. Okay. So uh, that is possibly a significant part of why um, President Biden has been seeing declining approval ratings on the economy.
4: Yeah. So what what are they going to do about this? Is there a way out to shift what's happening or is it just about waiting
7: Honestly, the way out might be time. The White House is doing what they can. Uh, One of the things is, of course, the White House is saying that this may be a competition issue, that uh, industries with some uh, anti-competitive practices, oligopolies, such as meatpacking or gasoline, are seeing some of the sharpest uh, price increases. But economists agree that that won't move the needle. That's not really the issue here. The issue, you know, is fundamentally uh, a lot of money chasing very few or not enough goods and services, and um, we're going to have to wait until more capacity comes online until uh, there are some, uh, until factories are able to meet the incredible demand that we have right now for goods.
3: Yeah, and I guess my question is, will we ever see prices go back to what they once were? And I guess, how does that really work if they do kind of just... Is that even possible? Am I making this up? No.
7: Prices, like, I don't have a crystal ball, but prices are up. Prices are going to be up. The best we can hope for is for price growth to slow to a more reasonable level, something around the Fed's target range of 2%. Uh, Yeah. And, again, if you look at it in the longer run, we had such slow inflation for the... You remember how slow growth was coming out of the Great Recession. We had an entire decade, almost, of below normal inflation. So if you look at it in the context of that, if you look at it in um, from a perspective of decades, we're actually just now starting to get to where we would have been had price growth been steady for that whole period.
4: Yeah, so with that said, would it be about creating r- regulations around companies and obviously we're seeing minimum wage change, but you know, being able to g- give more money or offer more money to employees?
7: Yes. Now, um, one... We're already seeing the fastest wage growth coming at the absolute bottom end of the labor market. Gas station workers, who are the lowest paid of any large sector, are seeing double-digit, well above double-digit income growth right now, like 14% a year or something like that for rank-and-file gas station workers, and uh, hotel workers actually seeing 18%, temp seeing 18%. So workers at the bottom end of the spectrum are seeing decent gains, better than inflation, though overall, all of us taken together, we are um, seeing our wages all entirely eaten up by inflation. Right
3: oh, now. fun! Yeah, and it's all like right. we're not even just seeing inflation in like gasoline and like food. We're even seeing it in like furniture and bedding, and like that was kind of wild to me to see like it was in other industries yeah. products, versus just you know the ones that we yeah, know of. Yeah,
4: those up. are products coming from overseas. Yeah. which
7: is also an issue. Yes, absolutely, and. Um, There are some of these products that were subject to various tariffs and trade restrictions by the administration, but economists agree that even if those were even if those Trump tariffs, uh, even if those were lifted, that probably wouldn't be the thing that moves the needle either.
4: Okay. well, that was Washington Post data and economic reporter Andrew Van Dam. Thank you so much.
7: Hey, thanks. This is great.
4: Yeah, you're fun. You're fun yeah, one. You. Okay, well, next up, why vegans are getting angry about this sign in Portland. Is it that bad? Let's get into it next. These vegans are calling out family butchers in Edinburgh, Scotland. These are your cousins. Uh, <laughs> the vegans. Yes. I'm vegan-ish, Okay. Uh, they said that there's this vile ignorant sign outside of their shop and I want to know from you if you think this is that bad. Okay? So outside the shop there's a sign that says everyday thousands of innocent plants are killed by vegetarians help end the violence eat meat. Yeah, and they're I thought it was hilarious.
3: Out. I thought it was the the funniest thing when I read it. I You know, I feel like being a vegan just seems really exhausting because clearly you not only lose meat, but you also lose your sense of humor. Um, And and that's the really sad thing about it. Um, I you know, and I it, I think this is the funny thing too because being a vegan, there, I feel like there's this long running joke that when you become a vegan, it becomes your entire personality. I've literally witnessed it happen with you at times. Really? Oh my god! Oh my god! What? I mean, the, even the things that you cook, I'm like, what is she doing? Like, she reminds me of Bambi eating nothing but little pebbles and, and and grass. You
4: know what? You went to my vegan Thanksgiving and you brought home a ton of food. You like actually, for, you actually, and, for, she actually
3: no. forced me to bring, it. but it was. Oh, good. I gotta yes, give you, I gotta exactly. give I'm gonna give her a little props. It was delicious. Um, mm-hmm. it was well, delicious seems like a really big word to use, but it was good. <laughs> it was it was good. Um, but it is honestly annoying that they decided to go so over the top with this on a joke. It's not that serious. So here's the thing. Uh, yeah, I I don't necessarily agree
4: with the part of the, the vegan community that goes out of their way to go to spaces where, you know, people are meat eaters. Like, you're going to a butcher shop. That's what they're going to do. They're going to make fun of people that don't eat meat. Yeah. Right. If they were doing it in your face or put that sign up where you are at a vegan restaurant, I would say F you. That's really rude. Right. Right. And insulting. But when you're in their home, it's like going in someone's home and saying like, you know uh criticizing
3: them for doing what they want to do in their and home i don't know what vegans expect we're not yeah. meat eaters are not going to stop eating meat i don't the lion king says it best it's the damn circle of life <laughs> <laughs> it all comes back to the lion king
2: let's put it this way guys have you guys ever tried uh scottish cuisine
3: mm, no isn't that like know. blood uh sausage and stuff What is? well something? there is a dish there
2: called haggis it is a sheep stomach boiled oh. with all the good mixed <laughs> yes? in there. No. So these people don't care what you think if you're vegan you or vegetarian spell it? or whatever. Haggis. H A G G I S. Haggis. Haggis. Oh, I spelled it like US. Yeah, most Scottish food is, I think, based oh, on a dare.
3: Uh, and the thing is about. Well, no wonder they're so ha- unhappy. Yeah, I
4: mean, that's pretty triggering. Um, you know, the thing is, it's not going to help get people to the other side. If you do really want to make the world more vegan, right? It's not going to help if you're constantly chastising people. That's not how you get someone on but your we, side. I don't even
3: think you need we need to be focused on making the world more vegan. Let people do what they need to yeah, do. You... I think animals were here for a reason. And Now, I will say I do not like the inhumane treatment of animals just to get our food. That's not okay. But I, I do think, you know, unfortunately, when they were reincarnated as a pig... Guess what? Bacon's I God, delicious. deserve that? That's their lottery ticket. No. You know, sometimes we pull the short end of the stick. I'm sorry. Oh, wow.
4: <laughs> Lots of compassion over here from Mr. Ryan Mitchell.
3: What? Let- if you have compassion, just watch Charlotte's Web or something. I don't know. Get over it. Jeez Louise. Coming up, Dr. James
4: Simmons joins us to break down the truth around COVID testing antigen, you know, PCR, what works and what doesn't. That's in 15 minutes. Uh, But, yeah, as I mentioned, let's get right into some what's trending this hour. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki shared more details on the COVID test deliveries that might be at your home very soon. So a number of those contracts have been signed. Uh, we uh, expect uh, that um, the first um, of delivery of these contracts will be arriving by early next week, which is a good sign. We expect to also have details, or everyone can expect, we'll have details that we put out on the website, as well as a hotline later this week, uh, more specifics about exactly the questions that you've been asking. So the American public can expect that later this week. And we also expect to have all contracts awarded for the $500 million over the course of the next two weeks. Okay, and then the post office comes in, and you don't get your delivery until, like, three weeks later, a month
5: later.
3: I know, right? Like, that's that's <laughs> going to be like, my thing about it. It's just, like, we're not going to get them. And and if they're quick antigen tests, that's why we're having the conversation later on. You know I'm very skeptical about yeah. those tests.
4: Well, the hope is, like, you do what you need to do now, but then at least they're sending you it so you have them stored, kind of. I don't know how many. Maybe one. Yeah. Who knows? All right, well, the latest state to try and eliminate women's choice is... Drumroll, please. (laughs) There you go. It's a (laughs) lady. What do you think? It's uh, Florida. Yes! Go
3: Florida. Stay (laughs) Yeah.
4: Florida Republican lawmakers introduced a 15-week abortion ban on the first day of the state's legislator's 2022 session this week. Starting off strong. State Senator Kelly Stargle and Representative Aaron Grawl proposed... It tucked into legislation to revise the state's tobacco education and use prevention program. I don't know, sneaky.
3: I feel like this country won't be satifi- satisfied until everyone looks like a nun from Sister Act. <laughs> well, th- those are those
2: folks are cute.
3: I was yeah. gonna say. Um, they, I mean, they were actually a party.
2: I was going to say *Handmaid's Tale*.
3: That's what I was going to say. Thank you. Plus no, be. I didn't want to go so dark. Well, it is dark. I'm trying to keep a have a. I'm trying to have a hot, like a, a you know, a positive time here. Right. Well, the
4: bills would ban abortion after 15 weeks with no exceptions for rape or incest. The only exceptions would be in cases where the mother is at risk of serious injury or death, and when the fetus has a fatal abnormality. Uh, and how ironic, considering what Florida Governor Ron DeSantis shared yesterday.
2: Together.
8: We have made Florida the freest state in these United
9: States.
4: Oh God! All right, and here he is reacting to this latest proposal as well.
2: Obviously, I'm supportive of of 15 weeks. I mean, I think
8: that that's uh, that that's very uh, reasonable, and and I think that's very consistent with um, you know, with being uh, uh, with being supportive of of protecting life.
4: Of course, because Ron, you know what it's like to be a woman. Now. The House Committee. I know
3: his wife must be just depressed, <laughs> out of her mind, just depressed.
4: <laughs> Good delayed hot take. I like it. Uh, yes, I mean being in that family. Oh, that, that I was thinking about Ted Cruz's daughter. I wonder what DeSantis's family is like. Those kids. I'm waiting for them to get on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Now, the House committee investigating the January 6, 2021 attack on the U.S. Capitol took the remarkable step today of asking for voluntary cooperation from House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, the highest-ranking Republican, to face this type of request. In a six-page letter to McCarthy, the committee laid out a bunch of questions for the Republican leader, who initially condemned the attack and former President Trump's role in it, but who has since, as many other Republicans have, become a chief critic of the panel and its work. The committee asked to meet with him as soon as February 3rd, requesting that he divulge information about his communications with Trump, quote, before, during and after the violent January 6th attack. And his team has not commented. And that was What's Trending This Hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan?
1: First
3: of all, now we're about to talk about something real intense, but that salad I'm eating is hilarious. It's just delicious. <laughs> You know? And
4: only you could do that. You know what? Like Ryan, this is something I'm I love just about saying, Ryan. It's so delicious. But you didn't even know. Like Ryan could be eating. Ryan could be tired. Ryan could be lying down on the mic, and you would not know you it. You won't ever know. With me, all of it You're is. You're a out zombie. There. <laughs> no, but like if I'm feeling anything, if I mean, you'll hear it in my.
3: Ev- you'll hear everything. Yeah, okay. That's your skill. Okay, move on. Let's talk about the Tea Report because uh, we have to talk about our friend of the show, uh, Mary Lambert. Mm. I I miss her so much. We have to invite her back on the show to catch up. She is speaking out about a very triggering hospital experience. It is time for the Tea Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So she was left in tears after visiting a local radiology office that she claims was, quote, unprepared for a fat patient. She took the story to Twitter to detail the triggering experience, um, saying that I changed into their biggest scrubs, a 2X, and had half of my butt exposed only to have the MRI um, coil not fit around my knee. She said, I was crying so hard in the dressing area that I had a panic attack. Uh, she, you know, recalled that moment and said, and, and in its experience that fat people are often used to feel shame about, Oops, I burned. <laughs> sorry I can't help it my bad it's a, it's a real moment um, she also goes on to say people wonder why fa- uh, fat folks wait to and uh, don't seek medical treatment for themselves mm-hmm. Um, which is very very true I've spoken out about that it's experiences like this that reinforce the idea that there is something wrong or abnormal with our bodies after tweeting about this experience um, the company contacted her and apologized and said they are now working with Lambert to ensure that her negative experience is, quote, not repeated mm. in the future, according to a statement that was obtained by today. So I love Mary for always being so vulnerable and sharing her experiences. And also, it's very, very true, and I'm happy they're doing something about it. That is your yeah. tea report
4: Okay, well, next up, how to spot if your COVID test is fake? How reliable are home tests now? we got those answers with Dr. James Simmons right after this.
0: London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest.
3: Let's talk about test, baby. Oh, yes, We make it entertaining. <laughs> no, seriously, because I really need to talk about it. I'm, all right. I am so distraught mm-hmm. by the idea. Like, you know, I have done all the tests. I have... Done every test except for an anal swab. Um, at oh, this I point, you were <laughs> I was like, oh. like I've done my throat, I've done my nose, I've done the quick little the spit ones. Yeah. I've I've done all of them, and I I still feel very confused about um which ones are more reliable than others Mm -hmm. which ones are more important than others and i think this is where a lot of people are especially on the cusp of the Biden administration saying hey we're sending out a whole bunch of tests but are they going to be reliable that's my question and guess who's here to join us dr james simmons nurse practitioner at the ask the np thanks for joining us icon
9: Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be here. I'm icon. Come on now. You stop it, Ryan Mitchell. I will never be at your level.
4: <laughs> you know are, that. I mean, you are a doctor. So yeah, that's on. what I'm saying. Like, you have the medical stuff. like You're saving lives. And the PhD. Like, come through. So, uh, Dr. James, can you break it all down? I feel like this is so basic, and yet people are still confused.
9: Yeah, it, it's super confusing. And I kind of feel like there's maybe two issues going on here. So, like, PCR versus rapid or antigen or lateral flow or that's part of the problem. They all have so many different names. Right. So we'll just call it PCR and rapid test. Those are the two different types of tests. And then also like how to make sure like you're not like, which test is right for you and what scenario. So I'm going to make this as like completely simple as possible. The rapid test, which is also the antigen test, those are the two most common ones because that test is looking for antigens, which is like little protein molecules from the virus. Okay. That rapid test is only looking for when those proteins are firing off from the virus, when you have like high enough of a viral load and it's triggering the test for a positive. So it's looking for it's not necessarily always active infection, but it is like, do I have a lot of this virus in me right now? That's the the easiest way to think about the rapid test. And that is why sometimes you can have a negative rapid test for like three days in a row. I know we've all heard these stories from someone in our lives, right? I was negative the last two days and today I'm positive. You have to have enough virus in you to trigger the rapid test. Mm. You have to have enough antigens in you from the virus being caused by the virus to trigger the test. That's the rapid one. PCR is a much more sensitive test, meaning it's just looking for any like genetic evidence whatsoever that it was there. And this is how I like sort of help people differentiate between the two. And we may have talked about this before on the show. Let's say you're walking past a driveway. You look in that driveway and you see that there is a steering wheel, a tire and a seat belt. Well, you can probably at some point assume that there was a car in that driveway. For an antigen test to be positive, you've got to have enough of the virus to make a full car. The PCR mm-hmm. is so sensitive, it's just looking for any genetic material of SARS-CoV-2 at all, that it will trigger a positive test just from having... The seatbelt, the tire, and the and the steering wheel laying there in the driveway, which is a good thing,
3: right? That's that's a good thing, right? Yeah,
9: it it is a good thing, except for just because you have a steering wheel and a tire and a seatbelt laying in a driveway doesn't mean you have a a complete car that you can drive, right? Well, active infection requires a complete car that you can drive, so some of the rub comes from people will test positive with a PCR. For weeks after they've gotten over the infection, they're no longer contagious. They're not infectious whatsoever. They could be out and about with other folks doing their things, living their lives. But they're going to test positive with the PCR because that PCR is so sensitive. It's only looking for just like any genetic evidence that the virus was like ever in
4: you. Yeah. Again, we're talking to Dr. James Simmons right now about how reliable are the covid tests? What to trust? So you're saying the PCR obviously it's so specific but uh, you know if it's that specific that you can not be contagious and still positive as we know like wh- which ones are are you supposed to rely on at this point?
9: This is this is where I really love that we we always come back to with this covid-19 conversation and everything going on right now and that complication and nuance are part of the the conversation whether we like it or not, right? So there's, sure, there's no very simple answer to your question. You, we can and should rely on both of them. Yeah. Hmm. So people who have had a, like, fairly positive rapid test, but have, like, no symptoms whatsoever, and they're like, I don't know if this test is right. Like, I haven't been around anyone. I haven't been exposed. I have no symptoms. I have this teeny tiny pink line on a rapid test. Go get a PCR. If the PCR is negative, you are negative. Right. If at if you have symptoms and a rapid test is positive and you want to confirm that and then you go get a PCR on top of that, if the PCR is also positive, you are positive. Yeah. But six weeks later that rapid test is probably going to be negative and that PCR is probably going to be positive still. It doesn't mean you have an active infection. It just means at some point in time you had genetic evidence of SARS-CoV-2 in your body.
3: Okay, so Dr. James, uh, we really want to talk to you about even like knowing which, you know, fake COVID-19 case, like test kits because there's been a federal official like issue warning about those and like how we can eye those. But, you know, we also want to talk to you about some other stuff coming up next. So, we're going to keep you around. Don't go anywhere. We got more show coming up next. We're talking about COVID-19
4: tests, which one are which ones are more reliable, mm-hmm. and Dr. James Simmons is back with us. Thanks for being here as always. Thank you for having me as always.
3: No, but let's talk about this, because this is wild. I feel like from scamming, you know, from, you know, trying to steal people's information to now federal officials are issuing warnings about fake COVID-19 testing kits. How are we supposed to spot the fake ones?
9: Ooh, this is tough. You know, this is a question I kind of get asked a lot from like friends and family, especially in the last few weeks. Right. When everyone's been like, oh, I got to find a test. So there are a couple of ways that you can do this. Um, one of the things that I tell people is if you can always try not to buy the test on Amazon if you can help it, although I know that's where a lot of us were going recently. If you can physically go buy the test in person at a Rite Aid, Walgreens, CVS, local pharmacy, whatever, though all of those tests are guaranteed going to have been approved by the F- FDA, right? Um, so that is really the biggest key is to make sure has this test been approved by the fda you can also speaking of fda search the fda's website they have on their website a list of all of the and these are at home rapid tests i know we just talked about rapid versus pcr these are mostly at home rapid tests that have been approved by them they have a list of them so make sure if you are buying something on amazon before you click you know add to my cart and buy that the list, the name of the test matches exactly what the name is on the FDA website. The other thing you can do too, this has been really helpful for me, um, read the reviews. People will, you know, we will put some people on blast on reviews, right? Like this is what we do and read the reviews, you know, Google your test name, the one that you're thinking about, read the reviews. And if they get a two out of five, there's a thousand comments where people are like, don't buy this test, it's a scam, you know, it's fake, it showed up X, Y, and Z. That can be really helpful. I'll tell you, the biggest ones that I think have, I've seen the most, the Abbott Binax Now is really kind of the biggest one. There's also the Akon Flowflex. If you see those two, those are kind of the two that are like the most out there. Definitely grab those while you can.
4: Okay. And finally, I mean, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule uh, because you are working in the hospital. You are a doctor. You're on the ground. How are nurses feeling the burnout right now? Are there going to be more walkouts?
7: Ooh,
9: <laughs> this is really intense. Uh, you know, in terms of, I know that there's some stuff going on on TikTok and on social media right now about a potential, like, national walkout. I have personally not heard any, any word of this. Um, you know, we have a couple of different national nursing organizations. Um, there isn't just one, there's several. There's been no action um, from any of those organizations. They have not said we're going to have a walkout. But what I do know is happening is that nurses are leaving the job. Um, In fact, just this past weekend, um, one nurse left right in the middle of their shift while I was at the hospital because, um, I mean, he, he was literally like in the corner sobbing, um, just had just reached his breaking point. He's like, I can't do this anymore. And left. I mean, that, that is just one example of, of where we are. It is a really, really difficult situation. Nurses were already stressed and overworked um, before the pandemic. And then the pandemic happened. And now we're in this really crazy strain on the healthcare system, which was unfortunately largely preventable. And so you add that layer in of we're here. We didn't necessarily have to be here or it didn't have to be this bad. And, you know, some hospital administrators and, and healthcare institutions are doing things like here's a pizza party. Yeah. And we're I- like, well, that's. That's not going
3: to help. Well, I guess I wonder, and that's an interesting thing, like I wonder what would help? What is going to help kind of like to get nurses back to a way to where they're like, yeah, we understand like we're in a pandemic, but we're not feeling so overwhelmed that we're willing to just like quit our jobs at the drop of a hat.
9: Yeah. There's, so there's kind of a multi multilayered uh, answer to that. So the larger systemic issue is there's just not enough nurses, period. And that's been the case for a really long time. Well, that goes to we underpaid nursing Uh, teachers, right? So there's not a lot of nurses who want to go into higher education because you don't make any money teaching other nurses. So it's hard to get teachers to teach nurses, right? So we can open up all the nursing schools we want, but if we don't have enough qualified nurses to teach those nurses, we're not building a pipeline of new nurses. Also, most of the nursing profession tends to be older. They're all pushing retirement age. There's not as many newer nurses, so this is a long-term issue that's going on. In the short term, what's happening is nurses are being able to make three and four times as much money by quitting their full-time job and taking a travel assignment and then, ironically, sometimes coming right back to the same hospital where they were. It's really pretty crazy. So I think administrators need to look at things like better staffing ratios, if it's possible, um, bringing in some of those travel nurses to ease some of the burden, if it's possible. Bonuses cannot be a commemorative coin or a pizza party. Like I'm putting my life on the line every day and I'm stressed to the max and I'm putting my family's health at risk like you need to pay me for that. Um, there, there's some other things, too. But the, the, these administrators, these hospital systems that are making money hand over fist and that money is not seeing, you know, being in the hands of the people who are doing the actual work. It's, it's really it, it, it's not a good situation. Wow.
4: Now, what can the every person do? Right. We're listening and we're like, OK, we're part of the public health crisis. Right. All of us. So what can we all do?
9: I mean, do everything you can to stay out of the hospital is number one, right? So my, I go back to my three V's: very good masks. You know, the CDC uh, said that they're considering recommending N95s or KN95s, and I feel like they're, you know, showing up at the party at 3 a.m. when everyone else is going home. Like, of course we want you to wear a good mask. Like, very good masks, vaccines, all three of them, please, and ventilation. When you're with groups of people, we know we're not going to stop people from doing this. Be in a well-ventilated place. It really makes a difference. The other thing is don't forget us. You know, everyone was clapping and cheering for us at the beginning of this thing in March of 2020, and we were heroes, and no one's shown up since then. Like, instead of my hospital feeling like they should buy me a pizza party, if you happen to have an extra Starbucks gift card laying around or you want to, you know, throw 50 bucks at a unit at the hospital in your neighborhood, stuff like that from the community actually really goes a long way and then frees up hospital administrators and other folks to really focus on what are the things that they can help fix to make this crisis you know that much better for nurses and other the other professionals you know on the front lines
4: got it well that was dr james simmons at ask the np on instagram thank you so much we appreciate you thanks y'all next up how one canadian politician is showing the love to his frontline worker spouse that is next A big shout-out to all our new listeners, 97.1 FM,
3: KNX. So cool. I know, right? And honestly, I've been such a fan of KNX ever since I moved out here, and they're just your go-to place to learn everything about everything. The news. And honestly, I can only imagine what a KNX listener is doing, listening to our show. I know they're having a fun time. Stumbling on our show, right? I know. So shout-out to them, and shout-out to all the success. We're super proud and happy that KNX started our new sister station. Yes, definitely. Because they were our sister, Like, they were like our, like our cousins. They station. were an AM, now they're FM. I know, but they were like our cousins. Exactly. Okay, so let's talk about this hilarious story. So this guy, he um, thought it was a good idea. He wanted to show love to front line, like his frontline worker wife, who is like, you know, uh, she. he basically took a picture of her. Uh, he tweeted a photo of his wife, Cynthia, shoveling their driveway after a heavy snow on January 8th. Now, he is the Minister mm-hmm. of Economic Development and Jobs in, um, Ma- what is it, Manitoba?
4: Manitoba. Manitoba.
3: Manitoba. In Where Canada. is that? In Canada? Yep. Yeah. Oh girl, My the home providence, home. the provinces out there just are named any old thing, huh? <laughs> if that's what you say. Well, um, says an American. Well, he's a um, also a member of the province's progressive conservative party. She is a nurse. Well, he snapped a picture of her through the window and wrote that he was going to make her breakfast. Um, the the actual tweet is hilarious because it was one of those things where like she there's pounds. I mean I don't know like inches. Uh, uh, is it pounds of snow? I don't There's know. There's a lot of snow. There's it's a tons of snow. Yeah. And the fact that he has her out there doing it herself and he's just, you know, taking a picture from the cozy inside of his house. <laughs> it really sparked a war online on Twitter being like, OK, is this a gender role conversation? What's the big deal here? Did, did you find it to be like in poor taste for him to post that photo?
4: It was, it was a bit tone deaf. Like I saw it. He had good intentions, but saying, even after a 12-hour night shift at the hospital last night, my wife still has the energy to shovel the driveway. God bless her and all our frontliners. Time to make her some breakfast. You're like, and like a prayer emoji. You're like, did she just do this because she wanted to because she's a frontline worker? Frontline worker doesn't mean she's doing your dirty work outside while you're inside. No,
3: so apparently she actually had to create a Twitter account because so many people were dragging him. She had to create a Twitter account that actually like came in defense of him because it was like a of whole course. thing.
4: Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I, like we don't know the context, and, and yeah, she said all I wanted to do was. Uh, what did she say? All she
3: said, all I wanted to do was like like you uh, shovel, know, the shovel
4: the driveway, driveway. You know, and, and we don't know. Maybe she loves shoveling driveways. So Maybe
3: Chris, that's the, her thing. No, no, no. But if Chris actually told you to go outside and shovel the driveway, would you have shoveled it? And then he took a picture of you. I'm sorry, ain't no man doing that. I don't want to He's, he's that. a proud husband. That is trash. He needs to be a, a divorced husband. Uh-huh. Is what he needs to be after that because that was awful. <laughs> yeah. So
4: if yeah, if my partner uh, did that. I think that one. My, this is the thing. My partner does a lot of the chores, so I feel like if he did tell me to do it, I probably would just do it.
3: Really? Mm-hmm. Shoveling the snow? There's a difference between washing the dishes or like, you know, cleaning the bathroom versus shoveling snow in like negative two zero, like, you know, weather. It's a workout. I don't like it. All
4: right, next up. Oh, there you go. <laughs> no, Canadians I mean, are used to this type of stuff. I don't know. We th- pride ourselves in being good
3: snow shovelers. I think this is a prime example of why Canadians are too damn nice and she should have cussed out her husband.
4: <laughs> That's it. Blame it on being nice. Okay, let us know what you think of this at LGT shows. as we can slide into our DMs. Ooh, it's making me feel like the holiday season is back. You got Coco? It. I'm feeling it. Next up, we've got what's trending this hour. Another state begins to eliminate the panic defense. Okay, that's good news. That and more next after this. Stick around for more music coming up right here on Channel Q. But right now we've got more show. Steve Harvey is a judge now. We've got that news in the T-Report in a moment. Plus, A January 12th holiday is being questioned for being in poor taste. We'll be discussing that at the end of this hour. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour, though. NYC Mayor Eric Adams um, is confirming reports that he has basically demoted his younger brother after his brother was initially chosen to serve as a deputy NYPD commissioner. Here's him talking more about that and being questioned by reporters.
9: Uh, My brother is qualified uh, for the position. Uh, Number one, he will be in charge of my security, uh, which is extremely important to me. In a time when we see an increase in white supremacy and hate crimes, I have to take my security in a very serious way.
3: Yes, uh, Bernard. (coughs) What? I, I just don't like the fact that he hired his brother.
4: Yeah, I mean, it it's, is a bit of a conflict of interest. A but a But uh, thankfully, he's now going to be his security versus the NYPD commissioner. I mean, that's a pretty big job. He's going to be paid still a pretty big salary, $210,000. But that's a $30,000 pay cut from the salary deputy, deputy police commissioners typically earn. So I think he did the right thing. However, yeah, he could have just said, you know what? I realize this is too controversial. I shouldn't have done this. And just... Yeah.
3: New York Change really it. does one thing consistent, and that's uh, actually elect bad mayors. So, <laughs> congrats.
4: And this one, it happened pretty quickly, the reveal. From uh, what happened, what did he first say, talking about uh, workers, like if you work in a, a, a fast food chain or this or so that, like other places that you have low skills.
3: Yeah. And
4: that you didn't did get an education.
3: That. I <laughs> mean, he this. showed us kind of who he was during his campaign era, but what? How? for whatever reason, The people still elected him. So, New York, that's your
4: problem. And not our entertainment, I guess. All right. Now, this is actually really good news. The state of New Hampshire has taken another step closer to joining more than a dozen other states that have prohibited criminal defendants accused of manslaughter from referring to the victim's gender, gender identity, or sexual orientation as a defense, uh, New Hampshire's House voted on this last Thursday. They're outlying the so-called "gay panic" defense. Supporters of the ban said defendants have used it in other parts of the country to excuse the murder of LGBTQ plus people. Good on New Hampshire for doing that. And again, it should be this should be a federal law at this
3: point. And that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Hey, Steve Harvey revealed the hilarious story that made ABC have to talk to him about being politically correct. It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. If you did not know, Tuesday marked the second episode of Steve Harvey's new courtroom reality show called Judge Steve Harvey. And it turns out he's already gotten in some trouble at ABC. Now, here's what the show does. The show follows the uh, the standard daytime courtroom production style with the added benefits of a comedic legend presiding over the cases. Actually, here is why he thinks he can even play a judge.
9: You think you could become a judge? I said, well, Donald Trump was president. That's right. <laughs>
3: Um, now, here's the funny thing about this, this show, because it's already getting him uh, to, to be more, um, less censored than you would already think. So Harvey's first case featured um, Kristen Jones suing uh, uh, David Ronka uh-huh. for uh, 4000 bucks for the cost of a bachelor not party. The couple has been together for about 20 years, engaged for 16 years, and shared three children, the youngest of whom is eight weeks old. Uh, Ronica filed a $2,300 countersuit claiming Jones lost the engagement ring and he purchased a metal detector to find it. Um, And despite the marriage (laughs) issue, the couple, I guess, is on good terms and they plan to be together indefinitely. But... Here's the thing, I think David was suing his wife. <laughs> and here is what <laughs> here is what got Steve Harvey in trouble.
9: I said, this is the stupidest dude
3: I've ever met. <laughs> and then ABC had a little talk with me afterwards, because, you know, Steve, it's not politically correct to call anybody stupid. Oh, is and that I'm right? Going, well, OK, well, what, what is he? <laughs> You take your wife to court on TV. That, that's not stupid.
8: <laughs> so, you know, we, we were having a little struggle with the political correctness.
3: Yeah, you know what? I think um, I might be tuning into this show because it just seems hilarious. This is going to be
4: playing in the background while you're working. It seems
3: like it's good background noise, and why not? (laughs) Steve Harvey being unfiltered in the way that he does. If you want to check it out, it airs on Tuesdays at 8 p.m. on ABC. And, of course, you can always continue to watch Jimmy Kimmel Live where Steve Harvey was being interviewed weeknights at... I mean, on ABC, like every night, right? There you go. There you go.
4: You're welcome. Or online. You can find all the clips. Okay, now, LGBTQ seniors are facing an epidemic of loneliness. How do we help more next? You know, more than 3 million LGBTQ adults over age 50 live in the U.S., and more than half of them feel lonely. Well, one organization is trying to help with this, and uh, Paula Ortiz, Senior Director of Programs and Services for SAGE, joins us right now to tell us more. Thanks for being here again.
8: Thanks for having us. Thanks for having me.
4: Yeah, appreciate it. Well, we're big fans of what you all are doing. Uh, so, tell us how big of an issue is this, and why?
8: Um, the The issue of loneliness, uh, specifically in the in the LGBTQ with LGBTQ seniors, is that you know many of our seniors, older adults, live alone, um, and many times you know rely on friends or others who. Um, have um, a connection with and you know and loneliness tends to be you know a, a serious issue within our community because people um, are trying to make it day by day especially as they're getting older and figuring out their how they are um, uh, dealing with their loneliness and 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 trying to feel connected to others and um, and they just feel you know many times they feel abandoned and they feel, like no one um wants to be in contact with them and you know it's it's a big issue cuz then you know loneliness can lead to depression um and it can lead to um then feeling you know like like there's nothing else to live for and there's plenty of more to live for especially as an older adult um so yeah and and, and, and you know it, it's 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 great to connect with them and 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 they they definitely love the connectivity with others um, and it's something that yeah. we, we at SAGE are definitely are addressing to, to make sure that our, that our LGBTQ seniors feel connected and feel part of the community.
3: Yeah, which is so important because I, I, I would love for you to talk more about the, like, the specific programs that you all are doing um, and that are around that really help offer that emotional, physical, and financial security.
8: Absolutely. So, you know, at SAGE, we have a various number of programs to help address the loneliness and address how the seniors are feeling. Um, We have a friendly visitors program whereby volunteers visit the the, um, LGBTQ seniors in their homes. Um, to be able to connect with them and sit with them and 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 just have coffee or have a, a, a friendly talk with them. We also have Safe Connect, which is a phone buddy program that matches LBGt elders with volunteers for weekly phone calls. Um, and this helps them, you know, just feel connected, just feel someone that's checking in on them, um, and make and make them feel that they are safe and 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 and. Um, and and welcomed in terms of the sense that you know you're n- you're not alone. We're here to, to support you. We're here to help you with, with your issues. And you know and then on on the on the program on a programmatic side, you know we also have our faith centers where we we provide um, in person programming, but we also have a robust virtual programming where we have tai chi, we have um, art classes, we have um, uh, uh, support groups. Um, we also have um, movie night. Um, we have, uh, 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 sorry, uh, a movie night where they they watch a movie and have a dinner together, oh, even nice. if though it's virtually. Yeah. Um, and that seems to be a really popular program because they really love to watch a movie together and be able to, to have a dialogue about the movies that are that are being streamed online. Um, and that helps yeah. them. That helps them feel feel part of the of, of a community within our own Sage community, but also um, you know, feel connected to their own peers.
4: Yeah, it's so important. So, I mean, for those listening, how can they support, get involved, um, or even, I guess, share with someone that they love?
8: Yes. Yeah, so, you know, at SAGE, we have volunteer opportunities all the time. Um, you know, either with, with connecting the SAGE Connect program or the Friendly Visitors program. I I, I suggest to your listeners to, um, connect with an organization that, you know, any, any senior organization has a volunteer opportunity for everyone. And I can tell you that the seniors will welcome them, especially LGBTQ seniors. Um, because that, that it, it doesn't matter that you're a stranger calling them. I think it's very much appreciated because it, they just feel like they're not alone and, and they can, um, they have someone to talk to. And just a friendly second. You know, the friendly seconds are, are, are a positive way. It keeps their, it keeps their morale up and keeps their spirit up in terms of knowing that somebody's looking out for them.
4: Okay. Well, thank you again for being here and for the work you're doing. We really appreciate that.
8: Thank you so much for having me.
4: Yeah, that was Paul Ortiz, Senior Director of Programs and Services for SAGE. You can follow them on social media and find out more at USA. Next up, we're talking about irrational fears. And how do you know when you need help? That's next. Alec Baldwin's daughter, Ireland Baldwin, revealed how she has such severe anxiety that she uses a blood pressure machine to make sure she isn't having a heart attack. And it brought up the conversation around irrational fears. And, you know, how far is too far? Like to the point where you need actual professional help.
3: I think irrational means you're probably already there where you need... (laughs) Actual Actually, I have some pretty irrational fears. Wow! Well, did you really want to use yourself as an example? <laughs> who doesn't need professional help? I just want but to make sure they don't sure. necessarily
4: come up in my therapy sessions. Maybe they should <laughs> bring up a good point. Yeah. I should make a note right now for next time.
3: Yeah, I got. Well, I have a list too.
4: All right, let's start
3: with you. Okay, well, um, you know, here's just a couple of ones that just come a top couple. of mind. <laughs> okay. Um, dying in my apartment and no one finding me. Uh, being on the highway while driving next to a semi-truck and the truck coming over to not see me resulting yep. in my death.
4: I, you know what? I, I actually have a bit of that, like, a being on a highway and just a truck, like, totally moving into me. Yeah, Literally, right? Or yeah.
3: my other one related to a semi-truck is, like, one of their tires popping and then, like, Final Destination me, like, breaking my window oh my and God. then coming and then, like you know, just doing the deal. And then my most, um, my my most. I'm sorry for everyone driving right now. <laughs> true. And then this one is just like I feel like the most like Leo one. Uh, you know, when you're talking about zodiac sign, is just walking into a room and feeling like everyone already hates me.
4: Hmm, that's not irrational. Yeah, that's actually probably <laughs> pretty true. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I have. Um, I guess I feel like it's pretty rational. But I of um, a home invasion. Like I feel like I get really scared. like I have this fear ever since I was like younger of someone just breaking into the house did while I'm there. Did someone break into the house before? No, just someone while I'm there. You know, I don't know what it is. Maybe wow. in a past life. Yeah, I have like, and I'm very sensitive to all creaks, sounds like anything. Yeah, uh, and you know, going downstairs even like when it's dark. I don't know why.
3: Well, I think that's everyone. And there's a really funny TikTok about that where like, Every time it seems like when you're downstairs and you're ready to turn off your lights, and yeah. then it's like it literally shows someone, like as soon as your lights go off, it is like you're running up to your room yeah. up the stairs because there's like something chasing you. Uh huh. Yeah, I, f- I felt that as well. I used to do that. You oh, know, we, be out of breath by the time I'm in my bed. Yeah, or
4: when I used to live alone, I would put like, I literally did this. I put a chair up t- to the door, my bedroom door.
3: Wow. <laughs> I mean, you would have been, I, you been <laughs> stuck if there was a house fire.
4: I would have just moved it or like kicked it out of the way. But like to the point that and I maybe keep my lights on in the apartment and turn the TV on like that. It was intense. Wow. Yeah.
3: Well, my thing is when it comes to like irrational fears, like I I do wonder, like, are they do you ever think they're like too dramatic when people like tell you theirs? Like, does your partner have a, a irrational fear?
4: Do you know, know what? I don't really think he does. He's kind of one of those, he's like, if things happen, things happen. He's very practical. Really? Yeah. I'm the one who's like the crazy one where I'll just be like, don't do that. What if you do this and this happens? What? I mean, he's done crazy expeditions that have been life-threatening. Yeah. And he's just like, well, if that happens, happens, it's my time. Like, he's that type of person.
3: So when are you supposed to need help with these irrational oh, Uh
4: I was going to say my other one. but Oh, say your other one. Um, I do think... I, oh, I have um, an awareness, but it could say it's a bit of a fear of like being, when I'm ever in a building, I just have this exp- envisioning like it all just coming down, like break, you know what I mean? Like everything just.
3: Actually, oh my God, that's actually really interesting because. Um, like
4: falling down, like you're at the top of the building, or when you're like at the top and you could look over and you're like, I could just do anything Well, that's right actually now.
3: called something in the sense of like, let's say you go in to someone's apartment and you see a, a, their their cute dog, and you you get an urge to like want to step on their paw or something. Like that's actually a legitimate thing. Someone created a thread on Twitter about this not too long ago. What uh, about where, stepping on a dog? No, foot? about like you know like these like moments where your yeah. your body your mind tells you to do something awful, but you don't do it. Like you resist the urge, obviously. But that's actually a certain type oh, of oh I need um, to know like, about psychological that psychological thing that like a lot Would. of people. You know, weird like it's an out of, out of body experience yeah because you thing. envision like it's like one of those things where it's like oh I, I just really want to pinch you, you know what right it now, is but you I, just
4: don't. I think it's like a bit of disassociation where you kind of disassociate and you're yeah. like in your head you're like I could be doing this but I'm here right now so I'm not going to do that at any rate I think and we're not by the way preface we're not professionals I think they know that we're professional semi-professional broadcasters <laughs> but I, I think when it it's overwhelming that you can't manage or handle your day-to-day life Where you're like, it it comes to that point where you can't do regular things and it's impacting your relationships, your professional life, your everything.
3: I don't know. Irrational fears, you can sometimes bond over them with other people. Yeah, toxic bonding. (laughs) Doesn't mean that's okay. (laughs) Or you can just get to know someone else's irrational fear and be like, wow, I never thought about that. Now I have that same irrational fear. Projecting,
4: another great (laughs) healthy way to relate. Yeah. You know what? Bond with your therapist. That's a good one.
3: Yeah. Is that your irrational fear? Bonding with <laughs> yeah, your Yeah, bond th-
4: intimacy <laughs> is my irrational fear. <laughs> All right. Well, let us know your irrational fears. You could always hit us up. LGT shows where you can find us on social media. Or give us a call. We're always around during this time. 833-77-CALL-Q. Would love to hear from you. But next up, January 12th, that's today, is a little-known holiday. But is it offensive? More next.
8: We've all seen them on the playground, at the store, walking on the streets. They creep us out and make us feel sick to our stomachs. I'm talking, of course, about ginger kids. Oh, sick! Gross! Ginger kids are born with a disease which causes very light skin, red hair, and freckles. Ah, nasty! Yuck! This disease is called gingivitis, and it occurs because ginger kids have no souls.
4: Okay, that clip, of course, was from South Park, who uh, took it upon themselves to never watched it. Uh, yeah make fun of I people really, that I are redheads.
3: I've literally never watched that show. Um, but it seems like it got you, your frat boy humor going. No, it did not. What do you mean? I don't know. I feel like you just grew up on this show. Like I did. It was a, my generation. A frat boy. It was boy. definitely I'm a frat boy. You are most definitely. <laughs> and and one thing that you body. don't know about Shira is like Shira's most definitely very tomboyish and very frat boy. Like, she'll laugh at someone making a penis joke. Yeah, I will. Or a fart joke. <laughs> I will. Like, that's literally it. I don't
4: know. I'm, I'm, I can be thoughtful and highbrow, but oh, you no. know. Yeah,
3: I, didn't, I, I mean, there's duality there. Thank you.
4: For sure. Exactly. For I represent sure. a bit of everyone and everything. <laughs> well, that uh, whole joke inspired Derek Forge to start Kiss a Ginger Day, which has since, because of COVID, um, been moved to uh, what is it called? Miss a Ginger Day. Uh, and here's his proclamation.
3: Hi, my name is Derek Forgey. I am the founder of Kiss a Ginger Day, and if you are receiving this video, it means
2: two things. One, you are a redheaded person, and B, somebody out there in your life misses you. Oh my, fiddly dee. What is the occasion, perhaps you're asking yourself? Well, January 12th, as it turns out. See, every year for the last 12 years, Kiss a Ginger Day has been an anti-bullying, pro-inclusion holiday celebrated all over the world, and in the face of this pandemic, I just couldn't bring myself to cancel another thing that brings people joy. So all we had to do was a little bit of a rebrand. So I hereby proclaim that January 12th, we are known as I Miss a Ginger Day. Oh, Miss a Ginger Day. What a difference a
3: letter makes, huh?
4: Okay, so the question is, uh, is this problematic? A lot of people are saying that perhaps uh, this is offensive to have a holiday like this.
3: Well, the only thing I really can think about here is um, every uh, Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran has talked about his ginger hair in like multiple times. Like, I think he even talked about it recently in a, um, in a armchair expert podcast that he was with on, uh, Dak Shepard. And, and, uh, he's talked about the, you know, how life has kind of really, you know, it, it, this episode would hurt him and all that stuff. And, and my thing is, anytime someone is like, you know, discriminatory, like our, Feeling discriminated against, this is a problem. But I, I think maybe this Missa Ginger Day proclamation is supposed to combat that, right? Yeah, it's supposed to kind of like celebrate the 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 ginger idea. I had no clue. Gingers for me are like very hot. And, and very beautiful, and honestly, they're the most striking people to look at. So the fact that like growing up and finding out there was such a stigma around gingers is so weird.
4: Yeah, I wonder if it was just kind of back in the day, or if young people still experience that. Especially
3: like if it, you're black and you're a ginger, it's oh my god, it's delicious. Oh, you didn't know there was black gingers. Uh, <laughs>
4: yeah, she well, has never no. seen a black ginger. Let me red give you a red hair or, or dye. a black ginger. Okay. Well, thank like
3: thank you. Thank well, like Who else is while a ginger?
4: You're, while you're Googling that, listen, I think also it is a way, even though we are not gingers, so we're not speaking from lived experience. But I do think it's a way of taking the power back. And it was started by a ginger. It wasn't just like a brunette like me starting this to help the gingers out. It's a way to like honor and celebrate and say like we should not bully each other and ruin people's lives. There's a
3: black person with ginger hair.
4: Oh, and that's natural
3: red hair? Yes, black people can be ginger. That's beautiful. Yeah, it is. That's great really <laughs> well, well, I'm going to go back and, and continue to show Shira more black people Thank with ginger you. hair. So, <laughs>
4: and, and while we do that, we're taking a break. What's trending this hour next? And actually, we're going to be talking more about the most famous male strip club in the U.S. that is closed. That's next. In thirty minutes. Bow, 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 bow. Yep. Plus Nick Cannon opens up about his lupus diagnosis. Bow, 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 bow. That's uh in the tea report in a moment.
3: Well, wow, I just gave you great emotional was, like, uh, sound effects. Amazing. Like a sad sound siren. That's why you get paid the big bucks. right. I mean is that subjective? It's <laughs> big bucks subjective. It
4: is. Okay, let's get into so much trending this hour right now. Oh, this is sad. A famed Atlanta strip club, Swinging Richards, is closing for good on January 15th. They shared on Instagram stories news of the closure and how it has, it is has that promoted. that a good one? Yeah, get yeah. Yeah,
3: Swinging Richards. I've, I felt like it was in the title.
4: Yeah. Um, and, you know, this has been around for a long time. I mean, people just wrapped around the block uh, to go there. Atlantans and those from further are really excited for one last piece of swinging action. They've been around for 30 years. So people are just going there trying to get their last taste of it Ew. right now. Be, be safe, though, out not, there.
3: I'm going to judge. I, um, I added a preface for you, everyone. I... I like I don't like guy strip clubs. I like girl like women's strip clubs. I've been to Yeah, I've been to a women's strip club. And it's more enjoyable. Guy strip clubs, who wants to see penises? Just Uh, some people do. There is a market for it. Even though there are some pretty penises. But who wants to see that? Not not around my chicken wings. (laughs) Oh my god. Why would you eat at a strip club? First of all, strip clubs have the best menus ever. I mean, those are like Michelin star restaurants. No, they are not. Yes, I bet you the hell they are. I bet you yes they very much are. That you can get I don't some know really if I good. Trust that. You can get some really delicious. That's what strip clubs are known for, especially out in Atlanta, because it's it's a mixture of like southern home cooking versus like ass. Great mix.
4: Appetizer, and a ass. meal, and a dessert.
3: <laughs> All in one. I'm just saying. I prefer it. Lizzo actually broke my uh, strip club cherry. Yeah,
4: because she, she uh, twerked. You no, went to, uh, she
3: was. She had a. She had her album release party at. Uh, but I remember a that's
4: like the first time I saw her there, and she was doing her twerking, and you posted it. I remember. Yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: And there were strippers everywhere. Yep. And we tipped a couple that's dollars.
4: Really, all you want is to get full on food and then have a stripper do a lap dance the, on you. And the <laughs> wings
3: there were delicious. Yes. <laughs> No, yes. there not wings that's there. Why, that's why, yes, there was. There was food there, yes. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah. It's, an, it's a Hollywood party. It's not really No, a but strip there's club. food everywhere. You. Got, I'll take you to a strip See, club.
4: I'm from Montreal. Oh, I know those strip clubs. You don't know nothing. That is the city you of strip clubs. Nothing. Every bachelor party goes to Montreal. Uh, you do, and let true. me tell you, there are no hot wings there.
3: I guess there's there is. There's other
4: things. Okay. well, beyond our uh, strip club debate, we're moving on. Uh, Inflation has hit its highest point in nearly half a century. Summer prices rose 7 percent compared to a year ago as 2021 inflation reached its highest in uh, 40 years. And here is Andrew Van Damme, Washington Post data reporter on One Big Place where you may see the effects.
7: The impacts of this are pretty unequal, like Imagine the difference right now between a renter mm-hmm. who's facing a perhaps a double-digit increase in right. their rent in the next year and those of us who are lucky enough to be homeowners and are looking at a nice, steady 30-year fixed-rate mortgage that we locked in, in some cases, years ago.
4: You can listen to that full interview on our podcast, always on the Odyssey app. Search Let's Go There with Sheeran Ryan. And uh, finally, same-sex couples can now officially wed in New Jersey with the blessing of the state government. Well, this is a long time coming. The right to get married was put into law on Monday when Governor Phil Murphy signed legislation that wrote the right into state law. Legislators had previously tried to pass it, but it was vetoed by former Governor Chris Chrissy, who said he thought the decision should be left to voters. And of course, the next year, the state Supreme Court made the issue moot when it declined to hear a lower court's ruling in favor of marriage equality. Thankfully, they're doing the right thing. So congrats to New Jersey. And that was what's trending this hour. What's happening
3: in entertainment news, Ryan? Well, Nick Cannon is looking back on his decade-long health battle with lupus that almost took his life before receiving the diagnosis. It's time for the T-Report, those pop culture stories, trending right now. Um, You know, he revealed—well, I feel like he revealed this so long ago, but he actually revealed um, that he is creating a documentary around it, 10 Years in the Making— Uh, about his battle with lupus. Here he is talking on his talk show about everything.
7: How did I get here?
8: I mean, just a few days ago, I was was with my family
6: in the snow, playing, having a good time. All of a sudden I start swelling up, having shortness of breath,
7: excruciating pain in my right side. I wake up in the
9: hospital. A bunch of doctors telling me I had a kidney failure.
3: Um, yeah, so I, that was actually a clip from the documentary. Um, he talked about it. On his show, where he was just saying how this was a, you know, 10 years ago, he said, I experienced a sudden and mysterious illness that almost took my life. Um, at that time, I had no idea it was lupus. And if you know me, I always have had to have a camera on. And of course, that's why he decided to document his health journey from the very beginning. And so um, I'm actually uh, quite ex- uh, excited to see this and see his experience um, because I feel like all we hear about from him is about having babies. And to see this like healthier human side, and just the things that he's gone through, is just feels wonderful. You
4: know, he's a talented person. Like no matter what he does, he always impresses me. Even though, yeah, it's like easy to kind of you know, and he's been dragged in the past for different things. Yeah. But you know, he always steps it up and like is really um, kind of one of those like. Hollywood people like he'll be always doing this like he'll be 80 doing this right
3: yeah so head over to his YouTube channel at Nick Cannon to check out uh, the video Nick's ten-year health journey hmm. I wonder how his uh, his TV his talk show's going I wonder as
4: well yeah. I mean I-, I thought it was good when I watched it like one of the first episodes was him talking about the loss of his oh you baby. must have been
3: bo- oh wow yeah. I couldn't even finish I think my that was when you talked about you said the loss of his pain yeah I, I think that was when I had COVID. I was watching um, men, a lot of stuff yeah, that, yeah that'll do it well um if you want to watch more about about you know this and learn more about it head over to weirdchannelcu.com and you can check out any of the stories that I've covered uh, in the t report on weirdchannelQ.com and of course keep us followed at LGT show everywhere
4: okay well after this with the blood donation crisis spur changes for the LGBTQ community when it comes to donations we have those answers next with the HRC wrapping up the shows we always do with our yes queen of the day yes queen well andrea jenkins is making history again when she became the first openly transgender president of a city council in the united states minneapolis city council members unanimously chose jenkins on monday as their president
3: which honestly andrea is incredible the work that she has done uh, um, supersedes just you know out of her amazing position here um, but she has just been someone who was thrust into the spotlight um, once you know toward during that whole George Floyd situation mm-hmm. um, but she was I mean elected into office she was the first black trans woman out black trans woman to be public uh, publicly elected in office in 2017 and the work that she's done and just how she's protested and used her voice uh, for the city of Minneapolis and um for just the, uh, the our community is just incredible yeah.
4: yeah so congrats to her we're so excited to see her journey and be part of supporting it as well
3: yes Queen yeah she wants to continue fighting for a culture of accountability within the city's police mm-hmm. she says she is also focused on tackling issues that contribute to public safety including access to affordable housing health care and living wages honey she will forever get the yes Queen Okay, well, that also does it for our show today. Great way to end the show on a high note. Uh-huh. I know,
4: right? And we are back tomorrow live here on Channel Key Weekdays, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern. On tomorrow's show, what celebrity does the Free Britney movement want to target next? Oh, that's mm-hmm. a good one. Um, And also, trans people are going to be facing new paperwork Um. And that's going to be a hurdle in COVID-19 vaccination cards. We're going to talk more about that on tomorrow's show.
3: Yeah, because uh, COVID vaccination cards are not really, uh, I guess, adaptable to for trans folks. And they got to change that. We got to figure that out. Definitely. So stick around for that tomorrow. And if you
4: miss any of our shows or interviews, join our podcast family. Catch up on the show. Go to Odyssey app or where podcasts are available and search Let's Go There. We are sending you love and light.
3: And honey, y'all, y'all better
4: remember to slay. Now stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris right after this. Bye, y'all.
2: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget.